yes, you're empowered. Yes, you become more profitable because you, as the visionary, you want to be the leader. You shouldn't be spending your time trying to manage all these moving pieces. You want a small, efficient, effective team that's going to be able to drive your growth forward. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to the Visionary CEO Podcast. I am Jill Giovanazzo, and with me, as always, same channel, same podcast, is my co-host and co-founder, Brianne Dick. It's the final countdown. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Or at least the final episode of the season. It's been a really interesting season for for a number of different reasons. Number one, this is the first time that we've done like a roundtable and really had a whole bunch of different people sharing their perspectives on the episode. It's been cool to hear all of these different folks and clients and friends of the VCA participating in the conversation. And number two, I think the topic has been one that we really don't hear talked about a lot. I don't know. I think this has been a really fun season and it's the perfect time to wrap it all up and put a bow on it. I feel like there's a whole other lyric to go along with that, but I am not singing it. But yeah, you're right. (laughs) This has been really interesting. It's been really fascinating to hear these different perspectives and to draw the through line through them of the culture and how everything when properly built on a foundation of culture, can be made even better and even more impactful and amazing. Well, I think what's been interesting for me as we've been going through these conversations is, yes, we've been focused on culture, but at every turn, we've seen how culture really is just one of the elements that goes into having a scalable business, how culture contributes to profit. Culture contributes to results. Culture contributes to having a strong team. And and really, if you think about this as a four-season arc that we've been doing, I think it's really worthwhile to look at how all of these pieces come together and say, how do we bring profit, results, and team together through this lens of culture. It's those intersections, right, that we've been talking about throughout the whole of the season and even that we've mentioned in previous seasons and previous episodes of having that strong financial model, which is reinforcing your profit, having the strategic and operational structures that help you to reinforce the results, but also to help the team. And then to have that diverse culture that underlies everything to support the team and the profit itself. Yeah. And so whether you're listening to this because you've listened to every episode, like 20 hours of content, or this is, that's a lot. Well done. you. Well done us for recording. Well done you. (laughs) We've probably recorded 40 hours and you're getting the best 20, hopefully the best 20. (laughs) But whether you listen to- We don't talk a lot at all. No. Whether you've listened to every episode or you're a brand new listener and this is just the most recent episode in your feed, we're going to be talking about a lot of these concepts. And I want to encourage you I know everyone always says, 
go look at the show notes and everyone say, yeah, go look at the show notes. But for this one, please seriously actually go do go back into the show notes because we're going to be talking about different episodes from different seasons. And in the show notes, we're going to give you that map to get quickly to the different episodes that we're talking about as we go through. Part of what we want to do with this episode. Yeah. is the wrap up of that four season arc. It's the last episode of season four, which I'm still boggling at by the way. But it's also our opportunity just to pull all of the pieces from all the different seasons together. And so we're going to be looking at each of the structures and their intersections and talking about how these all come in to place and how they all tie back into this culture aspect that we've been talking about throughout this whole season. And so we briefly mentioned off the top that there's three structures, profit, results, and team. And I think the best place to start is with profit, right? Because I think this is the one that is number one, most sexy. So like we want to have more profit, but number two, it's also the one where people sometimes aren't sure how it ties to culture. What does profit and culture actually have to do with each other? And so that was something that like as you said, we've talked about several times throughout the seasons. So like thinking about one off the top of my head, yeah, don't get me wrong, off the top of my head, I did not have these numbers, but <laughs> I did have the concepts. So back in season three, episode five, we had dug into the distinction between a lifestyle business and a scalable company. And that's a culture decision in and of itself, just right there, because mm-hmm. they're two very different businesses. The thing that really comes up for me when we were having that conversation was this idea that you don't have to accept misery as a precondition for success, right? The hustle culture that many entrepreneurs have been taught isn't the be all end all of building a business. And I think when we talk about profit and when I think about that episode in particular, what really comes up for me is we often think about profit in terms of financial profit. You know, in in working with our clients, I've really started to lean into this idea that profit is financial, it's also time profit, and it's also energy and resource profit, right? It's not just enough to have financial profit. We want to have time, money, and energy profit as well. And that's where making this choice about whether you're going to have a lifestyle business or you're going to grow to a scalable company can impact how you choose to experience time, money, and energy profit, right? It's not that one is strictly better than the other, but the relationship that the business has to the founder is different in a lifestyle business. The way you make profit decisions around time, money, and energy, it's different than how it is if you're building a scalable company. Not better, not worse, just different. Yeah, and this is actually something I was just having a conversation with one of our clients like this week about how depending on how you want to develop your culture and how you want to develop your business. If you want to develop your business as a business, then there's a difference between having owner's draw and dividends, basically, and having a salary for the position that you're holding. Whereas if you're building a lifestyle business, they end up often being one and the same. And it's not just how you compensate yourself mechanically, but how you choose to even think about the resources in Mm -hmm. your business. What is the job of the money that comes in? Is the job of the money to create more wealth for you personally? Is the job of the money to help you grow the business? And same thing with energy, same thing with time. 
Is the time you're investing there because you're creating an asset or is the time more focused about can I work as much or as little as I want and have the lifestyle I want? And they're not, again, mutually exclusive, but it's the question that you want to ask yourself. Yeah. And what's always been so fascinating for me is to see this, the transformation that people undergo when they're making those decisions and starting to think about and change how they think about their money and their time and, and those kinds of things. Because we start out as entrepreneurs, right? As solopreneurs, everything is just ours. And to make that shift into that different thought process can be uncomfortable, but it's so mm-hmm. fascinating to see all of a sudden how much sometimes that opens things up for people and for other people, if it's not the right fit, how much they feel restricted by it. And that reminds me of a couple of the points that we made it back in season one, where we were talking about how to structure your business for scale. We talked about the idea of really having one core offer that you're going to base your business around, that you're going to base your profit calculations around, and then that you're going to you know, figure out, as you're saying, like, how do we deliver this in a scalable way? We talked about, you know, the high value hybrid and the three dials, because all of those things, what your core offer is and how you deliver it and how you sell it all have a really clear tie back to profit, but they're also informed by your purpose, vision, mission, and values, which that's the foundation of culture, like right there, right? You can't have culture if you don't have purpose, vision, mission, and values. And so I think that was episode four, episode six, pretty much all of season one, let's be honest. We were talking Mm -hmm. about how once you know what your culture is, then you can pick your scalable core offer and figure out how to use the high value hybrid to actually scale it. Within all of that, there's all the ideas behind like value to business, value to the client, that value exchange. And how does that tie in to your culture and how does your culture influence that? It's so fascinating for me just how much we don't think about it. We don't think about how much all of the things that we do and all of the decisions that we make are underpinned by this one concept and how each time we make a decision, each time we make a shift, each time we make a, an offer, mm-hmm. it all comes back to this one thing of culture and essentially how we want to show up in the world. And just things like knowing what is our mission. Our mission is to be the best at the thing that we do for the people we do it best for. We talked, like I said, you know, about that idea of having one scalable core offer. You can't be the best at all the things and you can't be the best for all the people. And so really, if you want to be aligned with a particular mission, you need to be willing to really hone in on the value exchange that's going to get the best results for your clients, which, you know, and results is the second structure that we talk about. It's profit and then results. And then thinking of results and that one core transformation, right? In our final episode of season three, we had examined how our most successful clients managed to transfer ownership of key responsibilities to their team. And that enabled them to truly focus on the vision, the mission, and the results, which ties back into that core transformation that Mm -hmm. the team is there to help support throughout the client's journey. Because if you want 
your clients to get results, there is a need for your team to be able to facilitate those results. And yes, you have a role in that, right? You have a role, whether you're working directly with the clients. And so you're directly supporting the clients and getting results, or you're supporting your team in terms of setting up the right expectations and communicating with them and making sure that your intentions are clear and the direction is understandable. All of those things impact our ability to support the clients in getting results, which really at the end of the day comes back to how your business operates. What always fascinates me with this one is so many people come to us and they're like, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not a leader. I don't want to manage. We, we have these preconceived notions about what leadership and management looks like. And the thing I often find is that most everyone already has the core skills to do mm-hmm. this. And I think what I've seen so often is that folks have no problem seeing themselves as a leader with their clients, right? Yeah, I'm the expert. I'm showing up in this way. But what they often don't realize is that the ability to lead clients is the same skills as leading and mentoring team members. And we talked about that in the final episode of season one, which is that at the end of the day, it's your ability to lead that's going to allow you to get the results that you want, whether that's leading your team or leading your clients or most importantly, leading yourself. And I'm, I'm just going to pause here for a second because I'm, I'm hearing this and I mentioned this, I think, back in, in the first season when we had this topic, but I'm going to reiterate it here. Many people come and they're like, the imposter syndrome is a thing. I'm not a leader. I'm not even in leading my clients. I'm not leading my clients. I'm just doing the work. I'm doing the thing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing I want to remind you all as you're going through these journeys, as you're going through your own transformation and your own exploration of self. You have a zone of genius. You are the best at something. Mm -hmm. That means that you are the leader in that something. Deep down, you are a leader at something always. And it's one of the biggest challenges that many people see is to try and find that and to lean into it. And so I just, I wanted to address that just one last time, because it is something that comes up so often as a, this resistance that we often see when we say, yes, you are a leader already. And so, no, I'm not, I can't. That takes us back to this idea of zone of genius and really being able to lean into whatever leadership looks like to you, because that's the other thing talking about this idea of culture is there is an idea of what business leadership looks like in corporate culture. And it tends to look like old stodgy white dudes who are leading, managing with an iron fist, right? It it looks Um, like cogs in a wheel where they have no conceptualization of what's actually going on underneath them. What do you want leadership to look like? What do you want management to look like? Does it look like that old form of management? Does it look like more like mentorship? Does it look like coaching? And as you start to define those things for yourself and for your team and for your business, it also allows you then, as you were saying, Jill, to focus in more on your zone of genius allowing others to take leadership roles in areas that maybe aren't your zone of genius. And we start to create this situation where it's not you that has to be 
the leader of all of the things in your business, but you can actually have a whole bunch of people around you who are all getting results for clients in their own way and with their own skills. And this ties in so well with our final episode of our second season. I'm seeing a theme, by the way, final episode here. Yeah, we seem to talk about results a lot in the last episode. Of in the our last season. episode. I wonder why that is. <laughs> but it really ties in well to that final episode of the second season where we talked about how our clients have used the visionary pyramid to achieve that kind of result and to build that team around themselves so that they're able to promote themselves up the visionary pyramid and focus in on what it is that they're best at. And so you can do the value map to figure out what your clients value the most. And then you can use that to figure out whose zone of genius is it to produce those results. You can operationally look at the, again, the three dials, the high value hybrid, all of those kinds of ideas to say, okay, let's be intentional about the time and tasks that we're putting energy into. And Let's make sure that the right people are doing those things so that we can actually move up the visionary pyramid, be spending more time doing the strategy, doing the visioning, coming up with the big ideas, doing the visionary work that has that place at the top of the pyramid. Yeah, exactly. And once you do, that's where we can really start to see how results can lead into team because we can talk about how taking and promoting yourself up that visionary pyramid and surrounding yourselves by empowered individuals really gives them that opportunity to own the things that they are best at. And that's something we talked about in episode four of season two, where it's not about you having to be the one doing all of the things. You don't have to be the one executing all that time and taking responsibility and the accountability for making sure that everything is done exactly to standard. Right. Transitioning ownership means that you're able to empower your teams to make those results happen. And again, that's a cultural thing, right? We talked this season a whole lot about how culture really helps us to be able to empower our team members and to be able to distribute decisions, but also to be able to just know that the things that the team is doing are in alignment with the kinds of results, the kind of culture, the kind of profit that we want to be generating. And so the way people make decisions, the way that expectations are set and met, the way that you are able to allow your team to really take ownership, as you said, Jill, of those results in a way that's in alignment, I mean, that's that's where culture pulls all of these things together. It was something really awesome for me as an as a thought experiment when we did this in season one, episode two, where we laid out the history of our own business and how basically did a case study of ourselves in doing this process and how we transitioned from our corporate jobs to seek the autonomy that we were looking for in our own business and making that transformation, making that empowerment. I think we talked about how you and I first started being together as a team and how that transition of empowering me in the business was mm -hmm. challenging, but very necessary, right? Yeah. 
that the importance of finding common language, of being able to communicate as a team, to having a communications rhythm and and knowing when you're going to talk with people about what kind of things, how often are certain types of decisions made and revisited. You know, there are some things that work in the way that larger businesses do things, but they only will make sense for our business if we are applying them to our situation and our team based on the culture that we want to be building. And this notion of really big team versus really little team is something that we talked about throughout the last four seasons, but especially in season three in the fourth episode, we talked about that myth that scaling requires a massive team, which is true if you're not empowering people. Yeah, exactly. And that it becomes a spiral if you don't empower people. It becomes a spiral and it becomes that you then have to be the one driving everything forward. We talked in season one about the hub and spoke model. Right, where if you're just delegating out tasks and doing more and spending more and hiring more, you're still the one that has to do all the things. You're still the one that's driving everything forward. Because we hire, we we are taught, we learn to hire people to do jobs and not work. Right. right? Or or maybe to do jobs instead of to get results. That might be the yeah, way that I would That's a better that. way of putting it. Exactly. And yeah. so what that ends up leading us to is these big, unwieldy, in some cases, teams that aren't able to do anything without direct direction from you. Whereas often having a smaller, more agile team can accomplish much more more efficiently and more effectively than a highly structured organization where you're still the one having to make all the decisions. Which again is where profit and team intersect and become such a powerful expression of culture. And to be able to say, Yes, you're empowered. Yes, you make these decisions and you become more profitable because you as the visionary and theoretically the most highly paid person on your team, although I know that's not always the case, you want to be the visionary, you want to be the leader, you shouldn't be spending your time trying to manage all these moving pieces with all of these different people. You want a small, efficient, effective team that's going to be able to drive your growth forward. And so before we finish wrapping up this last 40th episode, we wanted to spend just a little more time with the panel of business owners that we've been hearing from over the past season. And what's been so cool as we've been listening to all of these conversations from the round table is to really hear in practical terms how these folks have been able to put the concepts that we talk about on the podcast that we've taught them, many of them being clients, you know, we've taught them that in the academy. Everyone that we interviewed has spent time with us in at least one live workshop event. And so for me, it's been really cool to be able to hear how these concepts, especially when it comes to culture, translates in practice, because the point isn't for us to be able to create clones of our business in our clients' business. It's for them to be able to take these concepts and interpret it through their own desired culture and through their own purpose, vision, and mission, and to be able to do that in a way that's meaningful for them. And so we thought we would wrap up this season by allowing our roundtable guests 
to share how that process worked for them and what it was like to take the tools and the frameworks and the concepts that we've spent the last 40 episodes talking about and really be able to put it into practice with our support in the academy or in one of our live events. I know that their part of their mission statement is to be the best, the best in cutting edge for progressive entrepreneurs. And I want to be part of the best. I want to learn from the best. I want to be the best. And I was never really competitive. I never really cared about the best until I met them. And it's like, I want to be the best at what I do, period, point blank. I just want to be the best because they're the best. Because when we talked about even what the best meant, she was like, and it doesn't define what the best means to you. And so that is what I loved because best is very arbitrary. It's very subjective. So I think that's really important for anybody listening as well. You might hear the word the best and it feels scary, but no, it's the best the way that I've defined it because I had the model from Brienne and Jill and Visionary CEO Academy of what the best could be. I love what Rachel said here because it's not about taking the best and being aggressive with it or being competitive with it. It's about figuring out what does it mean for us to be the best? How do we show up when we're at our best? Traditional business world may expect that the best as a measurement would be like the biggest company in your market or growing the most revenue, or we take a different approach. It can be whatever you want it to look like. Right. And however you want it to be recognized. And that's where this idea of profit results and team gives you that lens to decide what is it to be the best in profit? What does it mean to be the best in team? What does it mean to get the best results? It's another way of saying, what do your values tell you about how you should get results? What do your values tell you about what you should do with profit? What does your values tell you about what kind of team you're going to build? Yeah. How does that all impact and influence your purpose, your vision, and your mission? All of those things are how that comes back into play. Yeah. But then you get this idea that there's somehow this formula for doing that, right? There's this formula for being able to be the best or for being able to build your profit or being able to build your team and results. And literally season one was us giving you everything that we teach in the academy. And we just continued to expound upon that. There's none of these games about how you don't get to know anything of what we do until you pay us the big bucks. You get it all here. You know what it's like to work with Jill and I. You know yeah. the concepts. You know all of that. Yeah, I, we've even gone and, and just, you know, for clarification for our clients during the academy process, it's just go watch the episode. That'll help fill in some of the blanks and then come back with your question. Yeah. In some ways, I would say that the podcast has become like the textbook for a lot of the work we Mm -hmm. do. And then what it becomes from there is how you apply it and how you choose to interpret it into your business. And Patrice Perkins spoke about that when we were looking at that in the round table. I knew that Brienne had a brain that I wanted on my business. Really, it started from there. She tends to, and both Brienne and Jill really tend to see what's beneath the surface. And so I will say I knew I wasn't fully optimizing myself in my role as the founding attorney of my practice. I knew that there were things that I could be more efficient at. The overarching theme though was that I really trusted their brains and I knew that they had a different way of viewing things that would be beneficial for practice. I think that when you are the owner of a business who is also working in the business, 
And when you have a small crew at the time, it's very hard to look at things objectively, even with your best attempt. And so for me, even though I would try to look at the business as an outsider, I knew that there was emotional attachment. I knew that there was some subjectivity based on my own personal experience, having had at that point nine years in my practice that would limit the perspective that I would be able to provide. So bringing in an outside person provided the objectivity, which I think was incredibly important, and then allowed them to ask the questions that I wouldn't even think to ask just because certain things are, of course, it's this way. And of course, it's that way. But you need that outside person to really say, but no, why is it this way? And so I think they just have a different line of questioning when you have someone that's coming in from an objective stance. Yeah. What's the saying? You can't see the forest for the trees? Yeah. Yeah. It's actually something I, I see quite often and we've found it for ourselves too. When you're, the work that you're doing for, for others is sometimes the hardest thing to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many times have you gotten on a coaching call and you talk someone through something and it's like, I know this stuff. This is what I help clients with. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hear that all the time. And then I say the same thing to my coach too, yeah. because it's that objective third party outside view yeah. that gives it's not even so much as it gives it more weight. It just comes at you differently. Yeah. Although I will say that we do not try and give legal advice to our clients who are lawyers. No, (laughs) we don't try and give legal advice to anyone. Good. Yeah. Good point. Uh, (laughs) And I think what, thank you, but no, that's a whole nother ball of wax. I ain't touching. (laughs) I think what's really important out of what Patrice is saying here though, is yes, there's this point about having that outside perspective having that objectivity. But even more than that, it's about asking the right questions. And this is something that I think is so important about the way that we approach things in our work and in the academy is that we're not trying to come to give you the defined, this is what the answer should be. But we will tell you exactly what question you need to ask to get the answer that you're looking for, which is a little different than most coaching programs where the questions tend to be far more open-ended, far more self-guided. For us, it's no answer this specific question and you will get one of these three to five results when you answer it. Depending on what you chose, what your answer was out of those, you're going to get another set of questions. It's a way of bringing that different line of questioning, which is the objective part, but then allowing you to integrate your own views, your own experience, and your own desired culture into the process. Yeah, and that's a key piece to the whole part of the puzzle. And one of the things I love about the work that we do with our clients is essentially we've been talking about these structures. We've created frameworks. I like to think of the frameworks as the drawings, the line drawings where you can get and you can color in the picture and make it your own, right? The frameworks are the lines, Mm -hmm. but it's up to you to put in the colors and to make the picture your own and create something unique. And that's what this kind of direct questioning methodology allows us to do without making everything cookie cutter. To really wrap all of this up, our production team was like, come on, 
you have to put in something that talks about the two of you and the way that you work. So I don't know. I was I was looking through what they sent and was like, this feels a little weird. I'll admit to put in a clip, which is someone explicitly tooting Jill and my horn. But I'll allow it because Sandra, as she says, is actually someone that we have been a client of and we love to speak well of her. And so I guess it's only fair if we allow her to speak well of us. Brianne and Jill, are, they're actually clients of mine. And to flip the script and be on the other end of it and just see them work their magic was like, just, it was awesome. Awesome and, and empowering. And it, right down to the like nuances, I think what they do so well is each of them individually stay in their lane and combine. They really are like Batman and Robin, their dynamic duo. And down to the nuances of how they picked our small groups and all of these little pieces. And and I know because I helped build some of the back end of how they manage their client work that they put the same care and attention into taking care of their bigger picture, long range clients and not just the small workshop. Okay, so I was just going to ask, so which one of us is Batman? <laughs> I think I claim I feel Batman. like we need to like get on the on the horn with Sandra and be like, so which one of us is Batman and which one of us is Robin? <laughs> what are some other dynamic <laughs> duos that we could be? And then I'm going to like we, Thelma we need and some Louise. More modern and like, dynamic duos. <laughs> yeah, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just stop that conversation because it's not going to lead us anywhere. It's not going to lead us anywhere well. No. Or where I was going to go with this is it's actually not about the two of us. And I think that's what's so important about all of this and what we try and model with this podcast. I mean, this podcast is a team endeavor, right? You hear Jill and myself showing up in your app or on your phone or wherever you're listening every week. But that's only possible because we have our production team, because we have the marketing support, because we have the admin support, because we have the time to do it. Other people are there supporting our clients so that we can take the time to do these recordings. And that's what's so valuable to me about all of this is that we're actually building a community around us. We're building a community within our own team. We're building a community within our clients. We're building an extended community of people who aren't even our clients through partnerships and collaborations and all of those kind of things. Because at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, it's so important for us to be able to fulfill our, our vision and to be able to actually accelerate the transformation of the online business world to the point where every team member is empowered, every client gets results, and every business owner loves their life. We've spent four seasons ending off this episode and saying, how do you know if you're doing it right? And you know, what I'm so proud of really is how we've been able to take that approach and build it into our own profit results and team to be able to have the profit to reinvest in our business and so that we're able to be buffered against unexpected turbulence, AKA high COVID, that we've built this really diverse team, which is the right size and has the right focus and a desire to execute a shared vision. And that we've been really able to take and measure and clearly communicate the right indicators that makes our business the best at what we do. And that being a reflection of those values and that purpose, that vision, that mission that Brianne just articulated. 
If you would like to join us on this journey and to be able to really take all of these concepts and to be able to take your profit, your results, and your team and shape them for the next stage of your journey in a way that is in alignment with the values, with the purpose, with the vision, with the mission that you want to show to create the kind of culture and the kind of business that you always wanted to work for, then please do reach out because the Visionary CEO Academy is here to allow and support and guide multi-six and seven-figure online entrepreneurs to grow and scale their business in a way that honors their values and really builds this transformation in the industry. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm Brianne Dick. She's Jill Giovinazzo. And from the unceded territory of the Qualicum First Nation, thank you for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brianne Dick and Jill Giovinazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.